Hey everyone, this is Ryan Wolt, podcasting remotely today. Welcome to the Cheers North County podcast, presented by the Coast News, where I have a beer or a cup of coffee with somebody interesting. I'm looking forward to chatting with my first ever guest, San Diego beer writer Beth Demon. But first, the Coast News has been a leading voice in North County for 33 years. We continue to passionately cover the stories of our communities, of local economy, sports, culture, politics, and of course, the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. If you'd like to support our reporting efforts, please go to thecoastnews.com, and if you're able, click the donate button on the upper left. Speaking of sheltering at home, I've spent a lot of time over the past few weeks catching up on my reading. One great book I've read was M.B. Hankus's Waking Up on the Appalachian Trail. It's the true memoir from a young soldier returning from his army tour in Iraq and setting out to find some clarity while through hiking the 2,180-mile trail with his brother. This story is an adventure of the mind, the body, and the spirit. Honestly, I read this in like two days. It was great, and I definitely recommend it. You can pre-order copies directly from mbhankus.com or find the ebook on Amazon now. And now, it's time for the show. Today, our guest is local writer, Instagram Live show host, and self-proclaimed extrovert-introvert, Beth Demon. Uh, did I pronounce that right, Beth? Uh, yes, it looks like demon, sounds like lemon. Yeah, in my, say. in my head, I thought Liz Lemon immediately. I was like, oh yeah, I get it. Uh, so I, I get that, I get that, so cool. The most important stuff uh, right away, what are you drinking today? I, actually, I waited to crack it open. Here, hold on. I have a fresh can of Burning Beard Circle of Hops, their San Diego Pale Ale. I just picked it up, I think, day before yesterday, so it should be nice and fresh. Sounds great. I'm actually drinking a Fort Point Beer Company Westphalia Nuremberg-inspired red ale. So it's a long wow. name, and it's my first It's my first ever taste of it, and uh, I have to admit, I cracked it open a few minutes before we got on this call just to settle my nerves. Oh, well, I'm easy. You don't need to you don't need to be worried about me, but uh, it's always good to get a head start on on drinking, that's for sure. Absolutely. I feel uh, during the quarantine there are no rules. All time is the same time. There are no rules. Well, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I did I did wait until I tried to wait until after at least like 11 a.m. But that's just my own personal rule. And rules are made to be broken, so anything goes. They certainly are. Um, I know you primarily as a beer writer, uh, but with very minimal effort, I found out that you also write about a lot of other things. Coffee, social issues, community experiences. Uh, I saw articles about witches and horoscopes, uh, road trips, diversity, sexuality, sometimes related to beer and food, sometimes not. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about kind of your journey to this point um, as a writer and a journalist, and what do you consider yourself? What what title do you give yourself? I like to say I'm just a freelance writer, first and foremost, and like you said, it's good to have a niche, and I would say that covering beer is kind of my specialty, specifically covering the culture of craft beer, but freelancers got to hustle, so... Yeah, I've, I've written about music, parenting, travel, other food and drink type things, really anything to kind of keep me working as much as I can. Um, you know, that's a little bit more difficult now, but my my background 
I have a degree actually in painting and printmaking, so creative, but certainly not uh, a degree in journalism by any means. But that kind of transformed into um, working in content marketing, which I did for a few years in my mid-20s. And while I was doing that, one of my colleagues at the marketing agency I worked at who knew that I was food blogging at the time, I had actually done that for years and years, uh, sent me a link that San Diego City Beat, our local alt-weekly, um, was looking for a new beer fight. So on a lark, I just thought, sure, I'll, I'll send over some stuff. I like beer a lot, and I like to think I'm a decent writer, and I dabbled already uh, with the thought of, of going full-time freelance writing when I transitioned out of marketing and got that column, and that was in June 2015. And then in March 2016, I left that marketing agency job to pursue full-time freelance writing and haven't really looked back. Uh, well, you certainly put quite a bit out there. I had a whole afternoon of reading yesterday, so congratulations on that. Um, one of the things that I, I read, you. yeah, you're welcome. I mean, it, it's certainly, um, I think the easiest thing for any writer to do is not write. <laughs> and so, uh, anytime someone is really oh, yeah. putting out a lot of work, that's, that's impressive, not just for themselves, but, um, but for other people, uh, I read your article in good beer hunting, uh, where everybody knows your name a while ago when it came out. Uh, you delved into the community of mm-hmm. bars and breweries and the value of those social interactions. Uh, obviously, um, COVID-19 has had a huge impact on those social experiences. But was there anything else that kind of inspired that article as you were going into it? Or, or what, from your uh, perspective, was that article about? Well, I think what kind of made me start thinking about that concept was just I personally am am a creature of routine and being a parent, being a freelancer, you you really have to create these routines for yourself to to be able to get anything done. And when that established routine is taken away from you or changed in some way, it can be difficult to kind of find your footing. And I think that the craft beer community specifically relies so heavily on that concept of community that when it is taken away from us in the way that it has been during COVID-19, it is hard to kind of find your place and, and, and redefine what that community is to you because you see this proliferation of you know, digital bottle shares and virtual hangouts and happy hours and things like that. And it is phenomenal, but there is just really no substitute for walking into a place and uh, that tangible interaction of people, whether you know them, whether they're friends or strangers, Um, you know, pubs have historically been very egalitarian meeting spaces and now they're serving a very different purpose if they are open at all. And so it was a little bit of an abstract concept, and one of the things I wanted to avoid was talking about um, the loss of the ability to drink because, A, that's just not really a priority right now, and B, that's just not really the reality. I mean, if you want to drink, you can drink at home, and that's great, and I love drinking at home. I, you know, I would say my, my front porch has historically been my favorite place in the world to, to drink a beer, but... Um, 
it, it's more of that loss of place. And I, I like to think that I ended it on a little bit of a hopeful note. Um, but it is, you know, just adjusting to our new reality is, is challenging. And I think, um, you know, the best part about it is also the worst part about it. We're all, we're all in it together and we're all kind of experiencing this, this loss. Um, so I think it does help knowing that it's a little bit universal, but it's, it's also, yeah, it's also the worst part of it. So, yeah, it's a, it's one of those things that you don't realize is a, is as important uh, to you until you can't have it. Uh, and the ability, I may not have gone down the street right. to the pub every day, but the, the ability to know that I could uh, was a valuable tool that I didn't realize I needed where I could sit down and the bartender would know me uh, or I might meet somebody new. And uh, So I think my wife and I have traveled quite a bit, and so some of our best friends we've met in bars in different places in the country. And uh, you never quite know what will be the, yeah. the inspiration, whether you have the same camera or they order a beer that you ask about or, you know, you like their shirt or something. And, and the next thing you know, 10 years have gone by and you still stay in touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. I was wondering about your, your working um, as a writer, uh, even though there are certainly less opportunities for writing right now during the pandemic and a lot of people are at home from work. Uh, not just writers, but obviously service industry and um, all over the country, people are out of work. Here in San Diego area, what are your expectations for the next so many months in the food and beverage industry? I mean, how do you anticipate this pandemic changes the trajectory of San Diego? What's going to separate the the places that are able to reopen versus the ones that won't? I think it's going to be difficult for San Diego considering that we're so heavily based in tourism and, and hospitality as a culture um, for our just economic um, growth. So I think for beer specifically, we're going to see a little bit of um, the struggles that were already kind of reflected in just the competitive landscape, thinking about how many breweries there already were. I think the, the really big guys who have the capital to ride out this pandemic are, you know, going to be able to maybe do a little bit better um, than some other folks. And then I think the really, really small guys, the, you know, the hyper-local breweries who already were working on, you know, a shoestring budget and skeleton crew, I think they're going to be doing fairly well or have the best shot at success. I, I think it'll be the mid-sized ones who, who have difficulty, but like I was saying, I think that was already kind of what we had seen when you look at brewery growth and closure statistics, uh, both locally and nationwide. Over the last couple of years, you know, there was a huge boom for, you know, five straight years or, or whatever it was, and then it really kind of started to taper off, and it was those regional breweries that were having the most difficulty. So I think we're going to see that same type of um, kind of skewing the big guys and the little guys on both ends of the spectrum having the best chance at making it through this. But I also think the the people who position themselves in off-premise um, are going to stand a much better chance because you're going to see these, these you know, six-packs or, or 24-packs or what have you in grocery stores. Uh, you know, people like Second Chance or Coronado or Carl Strauss, I think they're going to do better than those uh, breweries who have relied historically solely on taproom sales or local distribution to restaurants and bars because 
those have pretty much uh, vaporized. And when you look at the data of, you know, the past two months, off-premise has gone up something like over 400%. So anybody who, who diversified their output into that, I think is going to have a better shot at making it through this. Has there been anybody that you've kind of noticed or been impressed with um, in their response to kind of this new normal as a brewery as far as making making the quick adjustment into delivery or into setting up pickup sites? Anyone that kind of stands out for you? Hmm. I think that there's a couple people who, who've done it right. I mean, <laughs> they're not a brewery, but Tribute Pizza, I mean, holy cow, they... They did a hard left turn, and I think they're kind of business as usual, which is great. And I know that they are supporting the local beer scene by offering um, quite a few cans and, and other packaged beers to go with their pizzas. So hats off to them, for sure. I think any brewery who is still struggling to find their footing should look to them for um, for guidance. I think that the people who have started doing the you know, expanded deliveries and things like that, like Virgin, uh, Burning Beard, Three Punks. Um, I, I think they're going to do they're going to do fairly well. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't I don't really think anybody's doing a bad job. And even the people who have closed their doors temporarily, you look at, at a place like Bagby, and their their letter to the community about why they chose to close versus pivot to um, to go sales or delivery, completely valid, completely understandable, and the right choice for this business model. So, you know, I, I commend them for for being able to to do that, and hopefully they make it out as well. So, so I, I don't think that there's any any right or wrong ways that people have been handling this. I've been impressed with how everybody is kind of coalesced together and. Um, you know, it seems like people are able to, to hang on. You know, the community has rallied and, you know, if this last, if shelter in place lasts for six more months, I think we'll be singing a different tune. But uh, I'm hoping that, you know, we've, we've moved from a full-on rolling boil with, you know, 100 breweries opening seemingly every day to kind of a low simmer. But I'm hoping we can keep it going. And I think... Yeah, the people I named have done um, a good job, and I'm sure I'm I'm missing people, but there's just so many there's so many people doing doing a great job, and I appreciate everybody who has uh, been flexible and uh, kept their doors kept the doors open. Yeah, there's never a, a good time to be going through a pandemic, but I I thought about it quite a bit this week, just in that if there was a good time, now feels like it is it. I am able to work from home and. I think a lot of people are able to work from home because of the internet. And um, yesterday, someone dropped a six-pack of beer and a bottle of whiskey on my, you know, doorstep, and and that's just not something that would have happened Excellent. even, you know, five years ago. Um, it would have been a much more well, difficult well, I think, time. <laughs> I think you're mostly right. I think if we had a different president, it might be a slightly better situation. But just in terms of uh, <laughs> where we are at as a society historically, in terms of having yes. Yes. Internet and Amazon Prime and, and all yeah. that. Yeah, I agree with you. Absolutely. I that's and that I don't mean to imply that it, it's a good time at all. I just um, it certainly it would be much better guess, if we could go you know, back. You gotta, you gotta look for the silver lining. <laughs> I, I, I don't yeah. think that's face at all. I mean I, I think about the same thing. You know, my son is three years old and I'm like, This is actually kind of perfect because he's not old enough to feel 
yet, like he's missing out on things, but he's not so young that I'm, you know, going stir crazy in the house with a newborn. I can kind of skate by and, and sure. you know, just explain that, oh, we can't go to the playground, but we can swing on the hammock swing, and, and he's happy as a clam. So you got to find the wins where you can get them, and I I agree. There's no system for a pandemic, but sure. this, you know, the fact that we are still able to, you know, have Grubhub delivered to us and, you know, local beer is still available. I'm, I'm grateful for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um my family lives in a small town. My parents and extended family, uh, smaller community anyways. And they, they don't even have like, other than like a local pizza place, they're not getting food delivered. You know, they're not getting groceries delivered yet. Um, they're just kind of adjusting to that and and being in a larger, uh, metropolitan area. We, we were somewhat set up for that already, even before. Um, and now it's, it's just obviously been expanded on steroids. Um, what about you? What are you working on? How has this affected you? What do you, what do you, what do you have in the hopper? You know, what, uh, what should we be looking for coming out of, um, out of your creative mind? So obviously my workload has slowed significantly and that's not just in part, uh, due to the pandemic, but also the AB5 legislation that took effect, uh, January 1st. That cut into my, you know, 2019 to 2020 expected income by 25% off the bat. I would say that the pandemic has probably cut it to close to 90%. I have very little work um, lined up for me and no consistent work. My columns in West Coaster and San Diego Magazine are on indefinite hiatus, but you know, it, it, it's not all bad news because now, you know, without a, a preschool uh, to give me some time to work, even if I, even if none of my work had dried up, the amount of time that I have to spend is significantly reduced. So, so I have a couple pieces uh, on tap that, you know, like you mentioned, that good beer hunting piece came out recently, and um, I actually had a nice piece come out today. Um, on craftbeer.com, a profile of the highest ranking woman in uh, the beer judge certification program, which I'm a part of as well, uh, Sandy Cockerham from Indianapolis. So I also have a couple of um, national print magazine pieces slated to be published over the next couple of months, um, one of which is Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine, which will be kind of fun. But uh, for now, my, my main things, I'm actually working on some spirit coverage for BevNet, which is the media company that Brewbound is a part of. Um, I am still contributing to Good Beer Hunting. Um, and um, my, my big kind of constant thing that I'm doing now is on behalf of the San Diego Brewers Guild, I'm doing a Instagram live happy hour every Wednesday from 3 to 4 p.m. We've had um, a couple good guests on there. We've been doing it for, gosh, about six weeks now. And, uh, you know, we're just checking in with people from different facets of San Diego beer. You know, we, we talked to Jill from Pizza Poor, Doug from Society, Stevo from Three Punks, Susie from Duckfoot, um, a whole bunch of people. And then I think this week we've got Jeff from Burning Beer, Cody from the Beer Night in San Diego podcast, and uh, a few others. So that's been fun, and it's been a way to kind of keep my finger on the pulse of what's going on in San Beer, and a way to just check in with the community and, and see uh, see how we're all handling it. So I'm, I'm grateful for, for those opportunities, and um, 
I'll sort of take what I can get for now, that's for sure. That's good. How is that beer treating you that you opened up before? Uh, It's so good. It's 5.3%, which is perfect for, you know, like a mid-afternoon drink. And then right after this, it looks like my husband just set up the pop-up tent on our driveway, and my kid's water table is out, so... Oh man! I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna take this uh, take this beer party outside. And that sounds like you, a, but it's it's treating me very well. That sounds like a great afternoon. Uh, I told my wife I was gonna set the tent up in the living room because we would have gone on a camping trip this weekend normally, and uh, I immediately yeah. got vetoed. Uh, I'm I'm already ready for another beer, but uh, Beth, uh, thanks for joining the show. Um, currently known as the Coast News presents the Cheers North County podcast. Um, I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm humbled to be on here, and I hope I, you know, I hope I was a good guest. I don't know. <laughs> and to you, thanks for listening to the show. Be sure to follow this podcast on wherever you listen to great podcast content, and check out my Cheers North County column on thecoastnews.com. If you'd like to support local news efforts, you can also go to thecoastnews.com and make a donation. Until next time, be safe, be kind, be healthy, and be living the dream. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the show. This show was recorded, produced, and edited by me, Ryan Wolt, and I think it's very apparent that I have almost no idea what I'm doing yet. But I hope you keep listening, because the guests will be great, and I'll keep getting better and better. Be well, stay healthy and sane, and keep living the dream.